Amen. You're getting ready to leave. Amen. Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. Jesus got into my heart, he got into my soul. I used to be all oh so sad, but now I'm free and I'm glad. Since Jesus got a hold of my life, building brings us here, but the real temples are in the church. Amen. How many are you happy to be a Christian this morning? Did you shake hands with someone already? Why don't you do it right now? <laughs> to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Grateful to be a Christian. Grateful to serve a living God. God who is interactive in our affairs, in our lives, in every manner. Brother Dan, good to see you. God bless you, your wife, Sister Deanne, your family. Nice to have you here from Grand Prairie. Uh, we want to welcome everyone to the service this morning. 
We're happy that there's a young man here that's alive this morning. Okay. <laughs> How'd you like to be the mother that gets a call and says, Mom, I'm in a serious accident. I'm trapped. I'm bleeding. Come and get me. That's what my wife put up with. She told me, I don't ever want to be a first responder in my life again. But God was very gracious to Caleb. And uh, I would say he was very precise, very accurate, right down to the inch. And uh, for those of you that saw the pictures, probably is worse than the pictures. And uh, as a driver, he was going off the road and the car turned 90 degrees almost. And when it turned, fully turned, the passenger side hit the tree first. And it hit it so hard it bounced back. On the passenger side, the glove box was down to the floor almost. And on the driver's side, there was this little pocket, this little cocoon, big enough for Caleb and nobody else. So if you don't think that God doesn't watch over us, he is accurate. Down to, down to the, the, light, the littlest part, he knows. We were in family devotions yesterday, and then we came to a little part of the uh, devotion, and then Brother Branham was sharing a part of the quote, and he said, God is omniscient. That means he knows, he, he knows all things. And then he goes and says this, he's infinite, and that makes him omnipresent because he knows exactly the minute, the hour, time to the split instant of a 55,000th of a second. Now, why would Brother Branham say it that way? When we looked at all the variables of the accident, change the angle a little, change the speed, change anything, and I'll just say it this way, the tow truck driver that arrived at the scene a couple hours later, he said, sorry, that was your son? I said, yeah, he's in the hospital. He's alive? He said, I come to a lot of these, and they're not alive. So we thank God this morning, don't we? Amen. 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 Thank you for your prayers, your thoughts, and your texts for us and for Caleb. Amen. This week, uh, tonight rather, we're going to have uh, communion and foot washing, so we want to prepare our hearts for that. And um, this week, I also heard from Brother Obed. <laughs> and he said, greetings to everybody at the church. He misses you all. Sister Anne, from, from his wife as well, they just wanted to greet you all and say hello. So we all remember Brother Obed. I think I texted him back, said, Brother Obed, miss you. I remember all of those times that we had together, some of the services, and your ties. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, only he could wear a tie like, like, like that. I'd get away with it, but uh, amen. Well, let's just change the order. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to, to come and... Uh, just take the service, amen. You just want to just change the order a little bit and just say, um, I've not uh, had a song I wanted and it just slipped me now. So let's, let's just sing, come to my soul, come to my soul. Come. 
my soul. Blessed Jesus, my Lord. Hear me, O Savior divine. Open the fountain and cleanse me. church there's people beside me but now Lord it's you and me now Lord take away everything on the outside come to my soul let's let's agree together will you agree as we sing that again come to my soul blessed Jesus my Father, we can't say enough. It's already been prayed this morning in such simplicity by our brother Marshall. Lord, not one of us should stand here this morning. Not one of us deserves what you've given to us. But Lord, it was your amazing grace. And Lord, it was your amazing grace at the beginning. It's your amazing grace in the middle of our lives and our day-to-day. It'll be your amazing grace. We know there'll come a capstone one day and there'll be a people crying unto it, grace, grace, grace. Lord, it's your grace. Father, forgive us. Not one of us should be able to stand here this morning. But Father, may you just extend beyond our shortcomings and weaknesses, Lord, your robe, your righteousness. Father, we want to come and commit ourselves to you as a people. Lord, heal our lands, heal our sick. Lord, our physical, but also our spiritual, Lord. Heal our situations. Make us what we should be, O Lord. Father, may you get into the service now, get into the word. Take the vessel, the speaker, the hearer. May it be for your glory, for our benefit, Lord. Father, let the Holy Spirit have liberty this morning. And Father, if there'd be anything binding, anything that Satan is hiding behind, bring it out this morning, Lord. We loose the Holy Ghost this morning, Father. We bind the enemy, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we're asking, Lord, that you would have your perfect way amongst us. Bless every person that's here. 
those that couldn't be here. Brother Harold, not feeling well, remember him this morning. Father, we remember all your people. I know my mom's at home as well, not well. But Father, just go beyond this building. And Lord, remember also our loved ones that don't know you. And may you extend your hand to them. Father, don't remember, don't forget one, but we remember them before you today. Now we ask you just take the service, take us as unworthy as we are, Lord. And I pray that you would have the preeminence, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Genesis. Our first reading will be in Genesis. Our second will be in Isaiah, and our last will be in Revelations. And that'll cover pretty well the whole Bible. So, Genesis chapter 3, if you wouldn't mind. Many things are going on in the world. This last week, our nation, Canada, um, which has stood for the nation of Israel, voted against Israel for the first time. And I'll just say this, Genesis 12 still holds true. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. The world outside is changing. We need to change inside this morning. Genesis chapter 3, let's just start the reading at verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, this is spoken in a symbolic form, but as believers, God has opened us to what really happened there. So this was a woman deceived. It was a man willfully going in with the woman, not deceived, But now the results of this are in verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And immediately, and immediately after that, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree where I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? God bless his word. You may have your seats, and I'll invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64. We're going to pick it up from verse 5. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. In those is a continuance 
and in those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all, doesn't matter if you were born into a Christian home, doesn't matter if you were born into the message, we are all, all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like a wind, like the wind that have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take a hold of thee, for thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. Revelations chapter 3, these are maybe a bit of a sober reading and maybe a bit of a sober thought this morning, but I, I don't want to be here and just gloss over something. As the Holy Spirit deals with us and as the Holy Spirit in the message perfect faith, and it's not just a nice quote, but it's something that I'm finding to be more real in my own life. He said, in order to get to perfect faith, it means, Brother Branham speaking, it means a lot of shaking down for me, himself. It means a lot of shaking down for you. And so a part of our journey is not so much putting on as it is taking off. Because God clothes us. But we need to open the door, open the channel to him. Revelation 3. I was listening here yesterday and just been on my mind to the message and knoweth it not. And Brother Branham takes this quote, this portion of scripture, very familiar to us, and couple this with the reading in Genesis. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works... Now he's speaking to a church. I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. Either one. Because those states he can deal with us. In between it's very hard to deal with that. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest. Now the church is saying this. I am rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing. And knowest not thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now don't, oh brother Ed, I've heard this since we've, I've heard it too. But I still need to hear it. Amen. I need to hear it. So there's a, there is, there's what the church is saying, but there's the real condition. And here's the difference between Eden and today. In Eden, they knew it. In this age, they don't know it. They don't know that they're in that condition, that they're naked again, that they're wretched, that they're blind, they're poor, they're naked. And why don't they know it? Now, this is not what he says. I counsel thee to buy of me gold. Tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Be honest with God. 
Don't run from your sins. Don't hide your sins. Confess your sins. God loves a humble heart. God doesn't want somebody who's religious. He wants somebody who's honest. From those scriptures, we'll take a title this morning on laying down our religious cloak. And I'd like you just to be sensitive. I, I probably feel a little scattered in some of my thoughts, but I feel like very directed to go this way this morning. Our great arch enemy, Satan, he was first in heaven. He was acquainted with the music, the singing, the worship, the glory. He sat at the right hand of God. He saw everything acquainted with God and, 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 and the, the beginning of the whole church and everything. And, and yet, as he saw all of that, there was something within him that he also desired that. He wasn't good enough to be a part of it. It wasn't good enough that he would be the most glorious angel. It wouldn't be good enough that he could, he could, he could have all of that and be a participator. But he wanted to be the main guy. He wanted to be the one that was going to be receiving on the receiving end of this. That was him in the beginning. Now I'm going to move quickly with a few scriptures. Isaiah chapter 14, if you would. We're going to just read that this morning. And, and, and again, it's, it's part of, of where I just want to go, but I want to bring it to our level here in a few moments. Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, this is where, this is where he began. Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So that still is desire today. And he says, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. The congregation is a gathering. It's a place where everybody could come to worship. He said, I'll sit there. I'll ascend to that place in the sides of the north. If you know there's different parts, the sides of the north... That's the side of the eagle anointing if you want to follow it through in the scripture. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And Brother Branham would speak in this last message, the God of this evil age. And it was read in, in Laodicea about this evil age, the God of this evil age. So up in heaven, you know, before there ever was anything that, that happened, and, and, and the war that was fed, it was a religious warfare. It was, it was two spirits, two kingdoms, and it was a religious move. Brother Adam would say there was once angels. There was once an angel who did not fall, but two-thirds of the angels of heaven fell. That's these evil spirits working amongst people, very religious this is in the unfailing realities of God. And he says, very religious. That's his beginning. And then he says, uh, in the beginning it was a religious sin. As in the beginning, so deceitful now. Watch now. It's not pure old everyday sin, committing adultery and getting drunk and using God's name in vain. That's not it. No. He's talking about a religious sin. 
Now, I, I, I was listening to Brother Manum speaking, and he's saying, many people misunderstand my message. They think I'm out slamming on churches, but he's recognizing spirits, yeah. fallen spirits, yeah. enticing spirits. Yeah. He said they get amongst church members. They get amongst people in ministers, and he says they desire a habitation there. Now, in the Garden of Eden, this, these spirits came down, and, and Satan, again, he was cast to the earth, and he desired a place. It wasn't good enough that he could have a corner of the Garden of Eden, but he desired the very place where the glory of God would be, where God would be doing something. And that place was going to be where Adam was, and where his, God's own son, and where the wife was, and that was the place he desired. That was the place he's looking for. Friends, today, he's, he's not just looking to get into the United Nations. He's not just looking to get into every bar room. But he's looking to get into churches. That's still his desire today. That's still where he is aiming for. And you can talk about all the things that are around the message of the hour. It's because there's every demon of hell against this move of God. And we need to recognize it. In the beginning, you can follow it through. Even when the twins that were born, there was Abel and there was Cain. And it was Cain who got jealous over his brother in the religious sacrifice at the altar of God. And he, and he slew him right there. It was a religious spirit. And where was it? Right at the east of the Garden of Eden. It was Jesus and it was Judas. It's always been twins that way. Now, Brother Adam would talk and, and we, would, we would say it a little bit. And, and, and he, when he talks about Eve, he talks about the woman. And that's natural, but it's spiritual. So we're not here picking on women. Because spiritually, we are the woman as a church. But Brother Adam would say in the beginning... As soon as man sins, instead of coming out and confessing his sins, he'll try to get back. He'll try to hide behind something. Now listen, Brother Bram spoke and knoweth it not to his own church. And he spoke it for a reason. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us today for a reason. Don't think that the minute we come behind these walls, we're immune from every spirit. No, right in this movement, there will be two spirits operating within the framework of the church. Now, I'm not dividing churches or people, but it's spirits, and we can be influenced by spirits. This old flesh... It wants the easy way this morning. Your spirit doesn't want it uncomfortable. I'll tell you what, you go to exercising, oh, I'll buy the exercise machine, I'll do this and this. That's wonderful, and you can think I'm doing real good. But if you don't hop on it, what good does it do? If you don't have a willpower, it's good to come to church. But if you don't engage, what good is it? If you don't this morning, cast down your flesh. Cast down your reasoning. Cast down your spirit. And say, God, I want truth. You desire truth in the inward parts. Lord, remove the facade this morning. Remove the pious face this morning. Remove the amen this morning. And give me a heartfelt amen.
So he'll try to hide behind something. He'll try to get a self-made religion. They made aprons of fig leaves. They realized they had a man-made religion. The word religion means a covering, and they were covered by a self-made apron. That strain is in man yet today, and women. Instead of coming, trying to come God's way of repentance, believing on His Son, letting the blood of His Son cleanse us from our sins, we slip around and try to find some other way. Some way of escape from coming God's way. We'll join this. We'll do this because it's not so strict. I want to put in a little bouquet for Brother Harold. A lot of churches can take it the easy way and not call out sin. I would say over the years, Brother Harold hasn't been guilty of that. And I would say that we need to be honest with ourselves this morning and say, okay, yeah, just because we're 30, 40, 50 years down the road, just because we got that much doesn't mean we're immune. We are just as much in a battle today as we always were. And we need to be honest with ourselves, in our homes, in our families, in our everyday life. Because there's a great danger. This is the place the enemy desires. The congregation. He desires that. And he desires a self-made religion. And sometimes behind the self-made religion, all kinds of things hide behind it. Lust can hide behind it. Power can hide behind it. Control can be behind it. Because there's a quote in front of you. Or me. Now, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Every one of us. This is not condescending. This is for the Holy Spirit speaking to the pulpit, to the pew, to every one of us. Brother Branham would say, <coughs> also, religion means covering. They sowed it. Same, same quote virtually. But it's something that covers. This coat, he says, is a moral religion to me. It covers my being. And he says, your clothes can be the same way. You know, you can take off your everyday clothes, naturally speaking, and you can come to church, and you ought to respect it, and you ought to put on your best when you come to the house of the Lord. But that's not the end of it. And you, know, you, you don't need to change your tone, okay, today's Sunday morning. I won't yell at everybody. I won't be condescending. I'll watch what I say. And now I've got to make sure because I'm coming to the house of the Lord. Well, don't let that be a Sunday dress. Don't let that be a put-on. Brother Adam would talk about actors. And he says, you know what an actor is? It's a Pharisee. And he says, the spirit of a Pharisee, Pharisees didn't just exist back there. It was a spirit. That spirit is still on the earth today. That spirit doesn't stop at other churches, but it can come into the message of the hour where we begin to be Pharisees looking down on somebody, looking at somebody. Today, this morning, we have no right to, to look down on someone. We stand before the blood of Jesus and nothing else. <laughs> in the garden the minute they did the forbidden thing the first thing now the natural body if you get hit or you get hurt or something there's a protectionism that kicks in if there's a disease or an immunity the body immediately begins to protect itself 
In the spirit realm, the minute you get injured, there's something in you that looks for protection. Doesn't want to, 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 to be hurt or, or buffeted. You seek that out. But your soul, friends, when the soul sins, there's only one antidote, and that's Christ. Now, we're at war this morning, and we recognize that, so there's two powers. Now, Brother Adam would say this a little bit, and he would talk about it. Today, setting here, this isn't the greatest battle ever fought, setting here in the church, one power or another is going to control us, so let's cast out the evil one. So we're at war this morning. If your flesh feels uncomfortable, mine sometimes feels uncomfortable having to deliver the message I want because sometimes I got to preach it and then those words come back to me Monday morning. This is what you preached. This is what you got to live. So this is for every one of us this morning. Now, Brother Brandon would, would talk about religious spirits. I just need a few more moments on this path. But he said relig religious spirits. He says... There's a God of this world I want to preach to you about. This is in Satan's Eden. He says, we're facing the great millennium, but right now at this age, all the deceit and every tactic you've ever used, he's gathered together, reinforced himself, come down like God, put himself in the place of God, religious, and he can quote the scripture, tell you the scripture, just as Satan did to Eve in the garden. But he'll leave out one spot. That's all he has to do. And that's where the poison doctrine of the devil can pour through. He would try to exalt himself like the Most High, ascend beyond the clouds. And listen to this statement. He has succeeded in carrying out his threats. He has certainly had marvelous success in carrying out his threats by people, letting him explain them away in every age, the value of God's promised word to the age. Now, Brother Adam would talk about it. He said, in my meetings, I watch sometimes in the meetings as I'm speaking to a certain thing, and I watch people's faces. And when the Holy Spirit starts to zero in on it, I see it written on their faces. The devil knows he's going to be exposed. And sometimes we feel that. Lord, don't let him go down that path. But sometimes the Lord wants him to go down that path. And so sometimes you put it on, and you know that's why we can be careful. Oh, I love this tape, because this tape won't hurt me. I don't like that tape, because this tape will injure me. It'll pick on me. It'll make it uncomfortable. We need to take the whole counsel of God. We need to take the whole word of God. We need to take every part of it. And Brother Adam would talk about it. Here he's preaching in the church and a woman comes up and he says, he preached hard. And a woman comes up at the end of the service and she says, oh Brother Adam, that was a tremendous message. I just want you to know you didn't touch me. And he says, wow. She must be a real saint. And <laughs> just left behind and and, she, and another woman comes behind. The only thing you didn't preach on was gossip. She's the biggest gossip in the church. We can be deceived. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? God knows it. You know, people can come across and we can get pious. I've been there and, and, and we, you know, I, you know, I just want you to know, Brother Ed, I'm a very humble man. Well, there's the first statement of pride. If you think you're humble, pride, what does the Bible say? Pride goes before the fall. 
The minute you start making like that statement, start looking around you where the hole is because you're going to fall into it. Two men went to the temple to pray. One man is a Pharisee. And he says, I thank God I'm not like other men. I fast twice a week. I pray every day. I'm this. And he's hiding behind this wonderful religious cloak. And, and he's walking up there. And he's praying. And everybody sees him. And everybody notices him. And he makes sure he has a few coins jingling in his robe as he comes up and drops an offering in. Oh, brother so-and-so. He's a wonderful church member. He's such and such. But the Holy Spirit looks down and sees another man coming down. And he smites his breast. I'm good for nothing. I'm just nothing at all. And he says, forgive me, Father. I'm not even worthy. He said, that man was justified. The other one, he had his reward. Listen, we're coming to communion tonight. Maybe this is harsh. Maybe it's real. But we're coming on an equal level. We're not higher than the other. We need to recognize we're all Christians. We all needed Christ. We all needed the blood. (laughs) So that spirit had marvelous success. Brother Bram said, the religious spirit has worked through every age. It's denied the real, genuine spirit every time. Quickly, Genesis 26, verse 15. Just put it up, if you don't mind, Brother Mark. I won't even turn to it. This is in the time of Isaac. And Isaac, his father Abraham, had dug a bunch of wells. Wells are life-sustaining. They give water. They give flow. Well, what happened after that water was flowing? The Philistines came around, and they plugged them up. That which would give life. What was it? It was plugging up, naturally speaking, wells of water, wells of life. And all the wells, and, Abraham, and so Isaac comes, and all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with the earth. What did he do? He dug them up again. Why? There's a blessing there. Friends, if the message has come that we just sit formally in church, that we can't have liberty to worship, that we can't just stop just saying, yeah, amen, just our our own little routine comfort zone, there ought to be something. There ought to be a joy. I'm going to heaven. I'm not like the rest of the world. So who cares who won the hockey game? If you can rejoice about the hockey game, you can rejoice about this today. You can thank God for this today. I believe the Holy Spirit's come to give us liberty. Not just to be starchy and sit here. And I'm not just pumping you up with emotion this morning. But I say, let it spring up, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost be loose. If we're worried about what somebody else will think, then we need to drop that this morning. Take that part of your cloak off. Lay it down this morning. And when somebody comes and worships, don't snicker at them. Don't look down at them. That's the Holy Spirit. God bless you, Brother Marshall, for your honest prayer this morning. Brother Branham talks about this. Nothing like getting alone with yourself. Many people never pray till they come to church. Many people think the only place to pray is the church. But when we get by ourselves, we usually pray different than we would if we prayed in church. It's the secret prayer. Enter into the secret closet, close the door, pray to your father. 
When we're praying like that, listen to him. When we're praying like that, there needs to be something to the prayer that takes all the hypocrisy out of it. Sometimes, Brother Ed, why you're preaching is because I've been there. And God deals with me on it. Sometimes we start to pray, Oh, Heavenly Father, Thou that dwellest in the heavens, Thou that looks down and gave us favor. And we're, we're talking like King James language. And, we're, and sometimes it's all glossed over instead of saying, Lord, I need you. I'm nothing without you. You know, friends, a lot of us come to church and we, hey, the minister included, we posture, how's this going to look? You know, is this how people are going to see me? And we worry about it and it hinders our true worship. It hinders our entering in. Can we lay that down this morning? Can we just say, Lord, let me be honest and genuine? You know, instead of, instead of just, this is, this is where I stay and this is as far as I go, why don't we just lay it down and say, Lord, I need you this morning. You know, sometimes in a service we come to the end and there's somebody needy, but sometimes it takes one person just to break through. One person to come up in prayer and say, Lord, I need you. And all of a sudden it breaks the well open. And everybody starts coming. It's the Lord. It's God. He's here. He's moving. At the pool of Bethesda, one could come in. One could go there. One could be there. But God, you know, the angel troubled it. And not everybody could get there. But on a certain day, Jesus came by. And there was a man that had tried for many years. 38 years. He was desiring a drink from the pool. And that day, the pool came to him. That day, God came to him. This could be the day that God comes to someone. This day. Oh, it's just a regular service. It's never a regular service with God. (laughs) 1 Samuel 14. Israel's in a battle. David was a man after God's own heart of the spirit. But Saul had taken on another spirit. And he didn't know what was governing him sometimes. So they're going to have this thing. And, and Saul makes this thing. And, and in verse, what did I say? 1 Samuel 14, verse 23. So there was a battle. And... And Jonathan and David, they went up, they climbed up a hill, and they won the victory, they came down. And in verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Beth Haven. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until the evening, that I may be avenged of mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. And they all came out of the land to a wood, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people were come unto the wood, behold, the honey dropped. But no man dared put his hand to the mouth, for the people feared the oath. 
Now look at this. But Jonathan didn't hear the oath. That he said, and he went and he put forth his end of the rod into the hand. Verse 27. That was in his hand, dipped it in the honeycomb, put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes were enlightened. And then answered one of the people that had the religious cloak stuck on them. And said, thy father has charged the people with an oath. Cursed be the man that eateth any food. And then Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. And he said, look at my eyes. I've tasted of this honey. It's done something to me. Friends, there's a lot of wet blankets around the message. There's a lot of people that are telling you, you can't be what you are. You need to taste the honey. You need to taste and see it's good. Taste the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is here this morning. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He desires you. He desires you to enter in. <laughs> I took a couple of Wednesdays. We've been speaking on Paul and Hebrews and the law. The law was glorious. Anything God does is glorious. But with the law was under the blood of bulls and goats. There was a spirit attached to it. It wouldn't allow men to really enter in. It wouldn't allow a full access. But then when Jesus came and under grace a new covenant came, now a perfect sacrifice, not under blood of bulls and goats, but under a perfect life, that of Christ, with that came a release. And on the day of Pentecost, there was a release of the Holy Spirit. Christ now took upon himself all the law, all the punishment of the law. He took it within himself. And when he did, he ascended on high. And he released his spirit back down to earth. And on the day of Pentecost, there was 120 in an upper room. They had so emptied themselves. There was nothing they could do. They couldn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. In fact, they went up there scared. They didn't have no religion about them. They didn't have any. They were fishermen. They were ignorant people. They were all kinds. I'm not saying fishermen are all ignorant. But I just say they're common people. And the Holy Ghost came down. And they couldn't contain themselves. Friends, that was the genuine Holy Ghost. That was the pattern whereby everybody that goes in this tank, they're baptized the same way. And under that promise, the promise is to them that the Lord our God will call, even to them that are far off. This same Holy Ghost is available. It's not a different Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same Spirit that will cast out the evil in your life. That will change your heart. Change your desires. Don't hide behind a message cloak. There is a message cloak, yeah. The message is the Word. But there's also a cloak around the message. Just jump ahead with me, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Is this all right this morning? If you don't like it, you're welcome to leave right now. I'm sorry. This wasn't what you bargained for. But recognize you have a soul. Recognize your flesh may be having trouble with this right now. Even your spirit, man. Even if there's a spirit attached. We don't want to, what do you want to walk in with the spirit and walk out with it for? Let's expose the evil one this morning. Let's cast him out this morning. If there's a religious spirit holding something behind it. Let's cast it out this morning. Yeah. Ro uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. 
He has made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter. Not of quotes. Listen, there's nothing wrong with quotes. And I'm going to say this. Not of tapes. Tapes are part of the process. I'm going to have to tell this as honest as I can this morning. Somebody posted something on the website. The tapes are the token. I'm sorry, I couldn't take it. I had to respond. I said, the tapes are not the token. The tapes are the vehicle that brings us to God. The token is a separate work. It's God applying it to us. There's a difference. Just become you because you come to church doesn't mean you're automatically in the church. Just because I walk into my garage, I'm not a car. Or a truck or an SUV or a John Deere or whatever you want to be. Friends, religious spirits can get around. Heard somebody say, if you can't see the seventh seal, then you're lost. I'm sorry, that attitude is wrong to begin with. Hey, you need to see the message. But we all see it in degrees, in God's time. It's not on any man to control it. It's not on a self-made religion. It's not on a camp. No man has the rights on it. The Holy Spirit has the rights on it. God alone watches over His church. I lose none of them. He has made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. You can take the quotes that are in this message. You can hold the truth. And the Bible talks about those that hold the truth in unrighteousness. And you can take a quote and you can use it like a sword. And you can cut somebody's ear off. That's not what God came for. He came that the Spirit would give life. The Spirit of the Word. The law of the Spirit of life. If we really believe we're going to have the power of the spoken word. If we really believe we're going to be able to speak things that we need into existence. How do you think we need to come in our own character, in our own mindset, in our own building? And I ask the question, the way I am today, could I be given that authority and use it correctly? And I said, Lord, I think I need some chastening. I think I need some molding. Because I know what happened to me the, the day that guy cut me off on the road. And I know what I would have said out of my mouth at that moment. Hey, I love the way Brother Homer said it. <laughs> Why did he do that? <laughs> and I say, oh God, bring us to that place we need to come to. <coughs> so... Drop back to verse 3. For as much then as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So the message is not meant just to live in books or in tapes, but it's meant to live in hearts. It's meant to live in a place where it can be administered like it was in Paul's day. That's when you know when to hold back 
And then when you just say something, and you know how to say it in the measure you say it, that's when you have an interactive God. That's when you have a real-time experience like we were talking about. Real-time. It's not something that, that I learned, and then I got a book, and I'll search the quote, and bang, I'll zap you with it. No, that's not it. But it's the Holy Spirit in us already. His words. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence, David said. Fleshly tables of the heart. Okay, I need to move along a little bit. <laughs> Brother Bannon would say, here after Christ died, even after the glory of this new covenant came, what was the first thing that happened? The veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. It gave showing, giving way that now that what was held back from the Garden of Eden was made loose again. But what happened at that moment? There happened to be other spirits in, the, in that, and they were in the temple, and they were called Pharisees. And they said, oh my, the temple is rent. And they immediately began sewing it up again. What is it? The same spirit that blocked the wells. The same spirit that wouldn't allow the honey. The same spirit didn't want them to enter in. They were motivated by another spirit. And after the seals are open, what is it? Same spirit saying, no, you can't enter into that. You can't do it. Oh, yes, I can. It's for me. <coughs> this is how Brother Brandon would say it. The devil is trying to build up a hybrid church. Hybrid by hybrid members, hybrid by knowledge instead of the word. Intellectual men instead of born again men. Amen. Oh, friends, give me somebody who is born again. Don't give me somebody who's dressed just right, who acts just right. But give me somebody that smotes themselves. You know what? I actually have more respect for somebody that, that humbles himself and says, I'm as good as nothing. I, actually, and I think God does. God has more respect for that kind of a person. God has more respect for somebody that, that says, I, I don't know what I should do. And when you actually are honest with God and honest with one another and honest with yourself, that's where he'll meet you. Don't come to the communion table tonight saying, I, I, I lived it. I'm better than everybody else. I did this. No, it's not comparing one above the other. Our righteousness is the blood alone. If it really came down to us by our own works this last week, we all would have to sit down. And not one of us. But the reason we come is there's a blood of the Lamb. There's one that's worthy. He's our righteousness. He's the mighty one amongst us. He's my breath. He's my life. He says, intellectual men instead of born again men. Building an intellectual kingdom that outshines Christ's little bitty flock. What did that? Fallen angels. Fallen angels who listened to Lucifer instead of Christ. What kind of angels? Luther, Wesley, Catholic, Pentecostals, who kept not of their first estate. He said, do you see Lucifer at work? He said, Wesley was a man of God. But what followed him? Fallen angels. Same spirit that tried to sew up the veil, tried to preserve what was a move of God. And when they began to structure it around man, that became the seeds of denomination. And it grieves the Holy Spirit away. Friends, a minister is not a lord over a church. A minister is a servant. And when a minister is controlling 
and you can't do anything without talking to you. That's not Christ. I'm not saying that any of us are like that or we don't want to be like that. But I'll just say this. We don't, we don't worship a man. We worship Christ. Amen. You know, in the days of Daniel, three Hebrew children were told that they had to worship an image. And they wouldn't do it. And the Bible would say that the image was erected in the plains and that they'll fall down when the music did such and such. It was a false worship. It was a holy man. The image, I believe, was Daniel. And the Bible, Brother Branham has a little quote, and I've just so marveled at it, and a brother just brought it to my remembrance this last week. He says, and when they all were tried in the fire, and they were all commanded to worship, and it said, Daniel was silent in those days. A holy image. Daniel was silent in those days. What, even around the very message, people that will exalt some man or Brother Branham above Christ, I respect the office highly, but Brother Branham will never be my Lord. Brother Branham will never take the place that Christ takes in my soul. No image can come between me and God. Oh, Brother Ed, that's pretty flat. It is flat. It's true. Satan hates it. Ask yourself, does my religion force me to go through a church? Does it force me to go through a certain man? Does it force me to go through a certain camp? Does it force me to put a certain type of glasses on? Or is it free between me and God? Because that's what the message came to do. (laughs) Wesley was a man of God. What followed it? Lucifer, Lucifer's wisdom. Fallen angels followed every move of God. And it says, exalting themselves above Christ's little flock. Here's here's a statement, this is all in Christ, the mystery of God revealed. He said, Satan exalts the knowledge of the revelation. Not the revelation itself. The knowledge of the revelation. Now, my oh my. I was listening uh, let me finish with one more here. On the river Euphrates, under the sixth seal, 200,000 demons were loosed. In Feast of the Trumpets, Brother Branham says this. Here they had been bound all these years. Look at, look at the, how he, the phrases he uses. Spiritual horses, spiritual devils, chargers, supernatural devils, the old Roman Empire being revived, the persecution of the Jews. At the river Euphrates, they couldn't cross to the promise. Here's how he says it. A religious sect that was trying to get to the other side. Now, you ask yourself, why are there so many battles around this precious truth? Why is there so many battles around Jerusalem? And how is it that they're standing Because what the natural is to Israel is the spiritual to the bride. And you look at what they're going through. And you look at that every nation is starting to come against them. Canada, for the sake of of desiring a seat on the Security Council, voted with the Arabs. Because they'll get more votes. But they didn't realize what they were doing. Hey, 
Politics, don't get into the spirit of politics, whatever you do. You, you, got, you know enough about it, but don't get involved in it. It's all of the devil anyway. But I had more respect for our previous prime minister that stood for Israel. And if you want to say all the things you can say about making America great and the Donald. But one thing he's done is he stood for Israel. Now, I'm not elevating the man because of that, but I'm saying God uses that at this moment, at this time. But you watch when that's pulled back. And I say this, even if that's a type of what's around us, friends, you, I'll tell you what, go into I know with it not and listen to, it's probably one of the most prophetic, some of the most prophetic statements Brother Branham makes in that book. He says, it's all setting up for a short, quick work. He said, you watch the Spirit follow this. And he's telling all this, it's just held back, it's held back, it's held back. But when the time comes, see, we've got to get ready too. That's why we're preaching like this. That's why we're doing because we need to be ready. And being ready isn't just, you know, well, you know, that it'll come one day. It's coming. It's happening. It's, it's even there. We got to get ready. I got to get shook down. I got to be ready. It all comes down to Revelations 13. Isn't in the message, and I, I, was, I was thinking I'd play a portion of this tape. I won't have a chance to do it this morning. But you go there, Brother Bram talks about two women in this, in this story. He said one, one woman is married. She's married to a lawyer. She's such and such. She doesn't go to church. They have a nice family. They live in a neighborhood. And he says, they're, they're there. And the woman one day sees a certain old friend. And she, then the friend invites her. And she starts to have a relationship outside of her husband knowing it. And he says, that woman, my, she's an adulteress. She's a whore. He says her flat out. And she thinks she's smart because her husband doesn't know about it. And he says, and then there's a woman that lives next door. He says, we could call it any church. And he picks the name Methodist. And he says, she goes to a church and she looks down on that woman and she's, she's filthy. She's wretched. How could she do such a thing? And this woman goes to a church. She's as loyal to her husband. And he says, those are all good things. But she goes to a church and she listens to the church. And she wears shorts and she smokes and she does all these other things. He said, she's as much a prostitute as the woman over there is. It's the same spirit. Okay, I'm sorry if you didn't expect that. If I put the prophet's message on, it's exactly what he says. Yeah. I'm saying what the tapes say. Yeah. Now, is one better than the other? Are we better than they? The only reason we're better is because of what Christ has done. Yeah. Nothing of what we've done. So before we come and we look down on every other church that we drive on, by grace, we're here this morning. By the grace of God, by, by His blood, and nothing else. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. I didn't have this in the scriptures, but just as it comes to me. Paul is actually talking about Israel, who was under the law, and the Gentiles, who are law in themselves. You can read all of chapter 2. But then he says this in verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? 
we who have received, who are benefactors of this new covenant, which to some degree, a large degree, is God's choosing and God's ordination. God calling us and seeking us when we weren't looking for him. And are we better? Friends, I, I, I want to just say it. When I, I grew up in a home that had the message, no, it was split. My parents were divorced, and, and I had one weekend with my dad, one with my mom, but I grew up the message. And I'll tell you what, when a certain time came, and it came time, and I, I knew this as a child, God put this in my heart, if I ever wanted to have a good time, I'd go to my dad's church. If I ever wanted to get serious with God, I knew what I saw in that little tabernacle on, uh, in Calder, and I, and I knew there was something more than just a man there sometimes. I knew there was something more. And I didn't just accept it because mom had it. I remember seeking God. And I remember when I sought God and I heard him speaking to me and I heard those things. I'll tell you, friends, there came a moment, there came a time when I recognized the awfulness of sin that I had degraded myself to. And there came a weeping. And there came a crying. And there came a, a, a pouring out of myself. Friends, it was not just accepting the word. It was accepting everything of Christ and the word. It wasn't just intellectual. It actually happened. I was there. And I was degraded. And I was low. And I was nothing. And I saw myself as I really was. Now lest I get too exalted... Don't ever let me forget Calvary. And there's been many times that God lifts you up and he puts you up. And now somebody else comes in that condition and you just start to look down a little. That's filthy wretchedness. We need to get back to an altar. Sometimes we measure sin by degrees. Oh, he was caught in that. Huh. I never did anything like that. I only stole. Oh, my goodness. The Bible says if you want to live by the law, then you've got to obey every part of the law. And we, listen, we're so prone to doing it because of pride. Associated, the first moments in the Garden of Eden, they realized they were wretched. Instead of coming, I did wrong. The first nature was to run and hide. And cover themselves. And if you don't believe in the original sin, where did they cover themselves? Aprons aren't on your forehead. Aprons are down here. And then we sometimes get... Somehow it's funny how we can commit a sin, we can weep and cry before God, and He forgives us, and somebody else forgets, forget, gets a sin. And we forget what we went through. And somehow our sin has a little sweeter smell to it than theirs does. Friends, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. This is what God laid on my heart this morning. We're coming to communion. Not because I'm righteous. Not because you are. But because of one reason. The blood of Christ. That alone is my righteousness this morning. 
The Bible doesn't say grow in judgment, grow in justice, get ready to slam people down. No, it says grow in grace, understand one another, feel for the sinner. Oh, the depravity of a human mind associated with the fall is this ugly thing called pride. Oh, it's so ugly. Proverbs chapter 6, Mark, if you quickly would. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. These things, these six things, does the Lord hate. Now let's get it straight. Doesn't say tolerate. Doesn't just he winks at it. No, he hates this. Seven are an abomination. So number one, a proud look. You know, I got a little more revelation than they do. And we sit smug. Take off your religious cloak this morning. You know nothing. Well, I never went into the world. The God that delivers somebody out of the world is the same God that may have kept you from the world. So lest you think too much of yourself. Lest you look down on somebody. Why are you preaching this here? Because religious spirits come around us. They come around ministers. They come, right at Brother Ram said, don't get little clicks in the church. Oh, they're from another country. No, we're all of one blood. They might eat different and talk different and do whatever, but so do I. Let's lay it down this morning. Let's drop it this morning. A proud look, a lying tongue. Have you ever lied, Brother Ed? I'd have to raise both hands and say I'm guilty. Have you ever after lied after you're a Christian? Well, I didn't exactly tell it the right way. Th that doesn't make it a lie. It's a lie. And you know, as long as you have a lie, it's like a cover-up. And as long as there's a cover-up, Satan has a right to that. Satan has a right to bother you. Satan has a right to attack you. Satan has a right to those things. Listen, in Brother Branham's meeting, two men come to the meeting. And as they come to the meeting, they agreed. Now, how often in the meeting would Brother Branham say, now, you might think it's just words. No, it's greater than words. Friends, the Holy Spirit that lived in the book of Acts, when Ananias and Sapphira agreed... Brother Branham said, that would come back in the church again. Yeah. Now, do you want to play around with it, or do you want to be right with God today? Yeah. Don't agree on anything that's against God, or against His Word, or against His people. Yeah. Come clean with God. Yeah. Spirit over here. Spirit over there. And Brother Branham doesn't know a thing. Oh, they're calling for help. They're calling for help. Why? Same spirit. It's desiring some strength. You want to cut the spirit off? 
You're with a group of young people and somebody tells an off-color joke. Cut it off and say, I'm sorry. I don't want to participate in that anymore. Somebody sends a text or a picture and it's wrong and it's off color. You can cut it off by saying, I don't want nothing to do with that anymore. Two men came to the meeting, preachers nonetheless, and they agreed. You're going to write this on the prayer card. And they come to Brother Branham. Brother Branham discerns. And the guy says, that's not what it says. Lying. Purposely. Lying. And Brother Branham kind of, uh, no, no, sir, I, uh, the discernment was right. And then all of a sudden, oh, I see what it is. Two preachers up there in the balcony. They're the ones. They were trying to, to, to try. And, the Holy Spirit is here. He caught that. Friends, be, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Oh, the prophet's not here. The gift isn't here. The word is here. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let's be clean. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Why is this a predisposition? predisposition? When somebody does something wrong, we almost glory in sharing it. Why is that? It's like they're down there now, and because they're down there, I'm lifted up a little bit. And then when there's a testimony of something good, oh, praise the Lord, when we ought to be glorifying what God is doing, but there's a predisposition to saying, oh, and, and, and we elevate ourselves, we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, oh, I'm better than they. Are we better than they? Romans 3 verse 9. Are we better than they? No way. Am I better? No way. Oh, Brother Ed, you're a minister. I'll tell you what. I've had to ask myself this question. If I wasn't a minister and I didn't know I had to preach on Sunday, would I serve the Lord the way I do the rest of the week? And I've had to say, oh God, if I don't minister, let me live for you. Because that's a trap too. Oh, everybody at church will know me. I'm a deacon or I'm a trustee or... My dad's a deacon, or my dad's a trustee, or a minister. Can we get something straight here? We're not here covering for family. And sometimes we look down. Well, my children are all serving the Lord, and we kind of sit smug. And like somebody else isn't. Oh, shame on us. Shame on us. God doesn't have any grandchildren. Can you hold your thing in Proverbs? Go with me. to. I'm here now. I'm going to go there all the way. Ezekiel chapter 18. Hold, hold, hold Proverbs 6 for a minute. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ah, Brother Ed, this wasn't what we bargained for this morning. I thought you were going to tell us all we're righteous. 
and that we're going to come to communion and we're going to feel good about ourselves. I'll tell you how we're going to feel good about ourselves. The cross, Calvary, it's there for me today. Ezekiel chapter 18. The word of the Lord came to me again saying, What meaneth you this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. If you know Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they were prophets. One was in Babylon and one was in the old land of Israel. And Israel was paying the price or the punishment for their forefathers. And there was a generation paying the price for it. And so they had this saying. It was a proverb. And it was actually saying, because of your fathers, your children are such and such. Okay, so then God says this to them. As I live, saith the Lord, you shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Listen to his words. All souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so is also the soul of the Son mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So just because, and I'm going to say this, because I was a son... Just because my mother had a testimony of righteousness, just because my grandmother, that did not entitle me to the benefits of it without going through what they did. Just because you're born in the message, it doesn't entitle you to say, I'm a little more privileged than those people I go to school with. I'm a little more privileged than the people in the world. No, you're a sinner. You need to repent. You need to die. And you need to come to God the same way every one of us did. Brother Ed, that's so flat. Oh, listen to the prophet speak. All souls are mine. If a man be just and do that which is lawful, and then he goes on to talk about a certain things. He talks about all the things that are lawful, but he you know, didn't give out usury, didn't give a debt to restore a pledge, and didn't look on another woman, and, and then etc., etc. Verse 10. If he beget a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood, and does all those things, and he doesn't do all of these things, goes through and tells all these things, and, and he says doesn't mean that the son has to bear the iniquity or bear the righteousness of the father. All souls are mine. God comes. Friends, let's not hide behind family associates. We saw firsthand Brother Billy Paul. He could not ride on Brother Bannum's coattails. And when he was in a hospital dying... And Brother Bannum came in there and says, You did the sinning. You do the repenting. Now, pretty harsh attitude. But I'll tell you what. The minute Brother Billy Paul turned, Brother Branham was there in a flash. Well, I'm in the message. I got a good family. Don't hide behind it. Sometimes there's this thing. A group gets together. We never really are quite honest in a group sometimes. In fact, we probably allow things in a group we wouldn't allow normally. But you know, we can also elevate the group. Spirits find attractions with one another. Somebody that's just waffling on something, they'll find somebody else that's waffling on something. Somebody that has a little attitude towards, they'll find somebody else that has an attitude. 
Somebody who's just desiring the things of God, they'll find somebody who's desiring the things of God. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't, that, that, that we're all sinners and, and controlled by evil spirits, but I'm just saying religious spirits mask the real problem sometimes. Religious spirits, oh, you know, we can put the right face on, but I'm going to ask the question, God saw the attitude that you drove to church in. God sees the attitude you're sitting in. I wish Brother Ed would get off of this. It's making me uncomfortable. God sees that. It makes me uncomfortable too because I got to shape up. Every one of us does. If you read this whole thing, you read, read all of Ezekiel chapter 18, if you will. It says, the Father is not bound by the Son, nor is the Son bound by the Father. All souls are mine, God says. So we need to recognize we all need to come to God. Now thank God He gave you a good family that's pushing you, directing you, praying for you, helping you, doing all of those things. Don't ever despise that. But recognize, I've got to come to the same God. Amen. Woe unto me if I don't preach this. <laughs> Luke chapter 22. Thank you, Brother Glenn. Luke chapter 22. i got to find a place to cut off here somewhere this morning. Because <laughs> I'm going to pick it up tonight. That's why. <laughs> the Lord willing, I want to speak tonight on dropping our stones. Dropping our stones. Is that all right? We're going to carry over. So just, we'll cut off here shortly and we're going to go tonight. Luke chapter 22. Verse 24. Oh, I got the wrong one here. There we are. Verse 23. And they began to inquire. Oh, 24. Sorry, sorry. And there was also a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. So it's so easy for man to put somebody in authority... And I, 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 I would need a whole other service to go into the seeds of Nicolaitanism. How it's so much easier to have a priest do your religion for you. How much easier it is just to be part of a group to do your religion for you. And he says, the Gentiles, they exercise lordship. You know, it's so easy to do, right? Even this message. I'm going to tell you something, friends. God is going to come to the throne in a way like never before. And I'll tell you what, every minister will be kneeling and worshiping him. When we get to the other side, it won't be any man exalted, but the man Christ Jesus. I want to put him on the throne now. Now he says, that's the way of the Gentiles. That's what man's prone to do. But you shall not be so. He that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. He as the chief, 
as he that does serve. You want to be a chief? Start serving. Take off your religious apron and put on a serving apron. Work in the kitchen a little bit. Brother Ewald Frank came years ago from Germany to see Brother Branham. And he came into the road. And think of Brother Ewald. Let's put him in a classification of a staunch German, okay? So a staunch German. What's the prophet doing right now? Is he seeking God? Is he meditating? And the brother said, he's actually in the kitchen with his wife. A prophet? Yes, a prophet. He's a regular man, just like you and me. He's a real Christian. He doesn't have pretense. You know what? One of the most humble men, if you ever feel like you're something, take the example of William Branham and what the Spirit of God did in that man. And that will give us an example how we ought to serve and how we ought to be to one another. And how, listen friends, when there's religious spirits, you know, spirits like to hide under darkness, under cover, behind something. They don't like to come to the light. But why don't you come to the light this morning? Drop the, drop the cloak this morning. Let me finish with this quote. We're going to pick it up tonight. But he says, he that is a chief, he that is serve, what's greater, he that sits at the meat or he that serveth? Is it not he that sits at the meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. Christ says, I'll serve you. I'll wash your feet. I come for you. He made himself to be a servant. He gave us an example to kneel down. Dust to the earth. I'm going to wash my brother's or sister's feet. Because they're a son or a daughter of God. And some of us can't even hardly make it to do that. It's an ordinance. Friends, this morning, I preached what I preached, not to drive you away, but to say, come. Come. Drop it all. Lay it down. Don't let the devil put it on you. Oh, I, 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 I don't feel comfortable doing that kind of thing. It's kind of gross. What did God do for wretches and sinners like you? God bless you, Brother Marshall, for your prayer. Wretches and sinners such as us. Who am I? Who are we? He's the one. Let's have the musicians come. I went into two pages of notes and the rest was from my heart. And I trust that's okay. We're so thankful to be sons and daughters of God. Sometimes we have a little joke around our house. We can't understand one another and sometimes we're bombarded and things become complex and why did he say this and why did they do that and why did she? And, and we say, you know, we're a little bit like onions. Just got to peel us back one layer at a time. Maybe God peeled one layer off tonight or this morning. Let him keep peeling off. You know, the Bible says, purge out. Purge out there for the old things. It says, let God have his way. Yield to him. You know, when something comes wrong, oh, I, I, did, did you do that? Well, you know, kind of. I did it. I'm guilty. I'm wrong. I accept the punishment. The minute you do that, you watch God go to work for you. 
You know, there was two sons in the Bible, and there was a father. And there was a prodigal son who went away from the household, away from the place he should be. But the love of the father never changed. And the Bible says, when he saw his son coming afar off, <laughs> he sat in the easy chair, I'll watch him grovel coming up. No. He said, the father ran. He's coming, he's coming. He's here, he's home. He's the one I looked for. And there was another son, maybe a little more religious, a little more pious. <laughs> I've been here the whole time. I've worked. He's lost. <sighs> and maybe when the father and the other prodigal met, where's my brother? I want to see my brother. Oh, I don't know where he is. His religious cloak was just a little too heavy. He couldn't condescend down to that level. You know, in all these stories, we can see ourselves as the prodigal. But how many times have we been in this position? How many times have we looked down? Oh. You know, the heart of the father never stopped for this son or this son. And when this son complains, his son, I've always loved you. I had you all my life. But he was lost. He came home. Let's drop it today. Let's forget it today. If you, if you see it and you recognized it, why don't you let it go this morning? This message didn't come to make us theologians that hide behind the quote and the message hub or you know the table or whatever we've got no it came to be breathed and lived brother so and so your son isn't there just to let you know every once in a while when I pray I remember him the heart of the father never changed It didn't come. The message didn't come. That we would hide behind quotes and suits and dresses. But it came that the message could breathe and live and have a heart and express itself and do just what the Father did. No matter how far that son went, the heart of the Father never left him. Nor did he, in the end, when this one stood there, did he say, you wretched, get out of here. No, he also wanted to bring them together. The God that saved us from that slime pit can save us from our wretched, stinking attitude too. Brother Ed, you knocked me down a peg today. I get knocked down a lot of pegs every day. I need to be knocked down more that I can be a real Christian. Not a Pharisee, not an actor, not with a prayer like, oh, great heavenly Father, no. Oh, Lord, I need you. You're more than life to me. You're my breath. Let's bow our heads this morning.
I didn't have any intentions about how the service would go. But if you said the Lord spoke to you today and you want to lift your hand, now if you want to signify it by standing up, Lord, we're here. We're here in your presence this morning. If you feel you want to do more than that, you're welcome to do more than that.